Good morning, EFC. How are you this morning? Happy New Year. We're so blessed to have made it through another year. The Lord has been faithful, carried us through. Let's start out this morning by reading some scripture. You could stand with me in honor of God's word. This comes from Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your provision in this last year. Thank you for being holy and powerful and demanding justice. I pray that those attributes would be ones that we pursue as well in this coming year. Help us to glorify you and let us start doing that today. In your name we pray, amen. sunset sky but my one request Lord my only aim is that you reign in me again Lord reign in me reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour you are the Lord of all I am so won't you reign in me over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams in my darkest hour. You are the Lord of all I am, so won't you reign in me again, so won't you reign in me again, so won't you reign in me again, amen. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine, for thee all 
gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If Jesus, tis now. I'll love thee in life. I will love thee in death. And praise thee as long as thou blendest me breath. And say when the dead cold on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. 
You are my everything, and I will adore you. of lightning, roars of thunder, blessing and honor, praise and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. All creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Filled with wonder struck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath, and living water. Such a marvelous mystery. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Such a joy to see you all this morning. In fact, you beat me to the punch because I was going to ask you to stay standing and take a few moments to greet one another and give them a blessing in this new year. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can do that.
Okay. Why don't we go ahead and take a seat? Well, good morning once again. I encourage everyone to take a seat. So fun to see one another and to greet one another and give a blessing, especially at the beginning of a new year. How good the Lord is to allow us to be able to gather together. I encourage you to take out your bulletin. Got a few bu- few announcements to look at this morning. Uh, the first thing I want to remind us that we have the. The Christmas card mailbox is still out in the foyer. There's still a lot of cards to be claimed. You might be surprised that there's probably a card there for you. So please check on your way out today. And for those of you joining us online, Happy New Year. We look forward to you being back with us. But would you please come by the office this week and pick up your cards so that we can put that box away for another year. Next week, we're going to start a new members class. We'll run for three weeks in the 11 a.m. hour where we'll talk about the history of the Evangelical Free Church of America, the history of the church in Oroville, what we believe, who we are, and how you can be a part. And so this class is available to all who want to become members of our church, but also perhaps you've never gone through the membership course, so you've been with us for a while. This will be an opportunity for you to do that starting next week, uh, January 9th at the 11 a.m. hour. Discipleship hour will start to get back into rhythm. Today I will have my class at 11 a.m. We have been going through a survey of the New Testament called A Journey Through the New Testament, and we're going to continue that today, and we'll be in the book of Philemon. But you recall that at the end of last year we were handing out surveys and trying to find out what would be some interest in getting new classes started, and I'm pleased to announce that new classes are coming. Uh, You Perhaps we'll receive a card this morning. There'll be a class that will start in the book of James at the end of this month after we've gone through all the membership class. But there's another, another class that's in the works. I'm working on the details, but some of you have asked for uh, Dr. Don Remley to come back with his class. And so we're going to start his class again at the end of January after we've had the membership classes. So our commitment to you as pastors and elders is to continue to offer classes throughout the year on different subjects. So thank you for your participation in all the surveys. And if you have other suggestions and ideas, just let us know. We really would like to see our 11 a.m. hour as busy and as full as is our 9 a.m. hour. Men, let's get off to a good year. Next Saturday, we have our first monthly breakfast of the year at 8 a.m. right behind me here in the kitchen and the fellowship hall. So if you have any questions, you can see Al Mauer or Ken Butler or others that are helping to get the men's ministry, the King's Men, relaunched and going here in 2022. You know, over the past year and a half, our missions committee has done a fabulous job in helping to promote missions. You know, the primary responsibility of the church, this local expression of the church, but uh, the church around the globe, is to bring the gospel to the four corners of the world. That is our main job. And those were the lasting words that Jesus gave to us to make disciples of all nations. And the missions committee is helping us to gain a greater vision of what that looks like. And they're pleased to announce that for the month of January, the missionary of the month will be Carol Johnson, who is serving with Global Fingerprints with the Evangelical Free Church of America, a child sponsorship ministry to help take care of orphans around the world. 
You can pick up one of these cards from one of the members of the missions committee this morning, or you can go in the foyer in the back corner where we have missions corner, and there'll be cards there. We encourage you to pick one up and pray for Carol all throughout the month of January. And as always, the offering box is in the back. You can leave your offerings there. And if you want to designate a gift, including designating a gift to Carol, if you want to do that to Carol Johnson, you can put M-O-M for Missionary of the Month. Or if you want to designate to another ministry in the church, you can do that in the box that is in the back. Uh, in February, we will have our annual church meeting to talk about what's happened in 2021. But I'll give you a preview. You guys are awesome. It was a great year. I want to thank you for your generous hearts, your open hands, your open wallets. We met budget and beyond. We had a great year. It was a blessed year. And I want to thank you for contributing to what is happening here in the kingdom of God work here at the Evangelical Free Church of Oroville. Well, as we begin this new year, it's always good for us to spend time looking at the word of God. And as we come to our invocation passage this morning... I invite you to stand as I read through 1 John chapter 4. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he, also, so also, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Please take a seat. And as we begin here at the beginning of 2022, as we go to the Lord in prayer, in the quietness of your heart, I want you to think back over 2021 and just offer some items of praise back to the Lord of how you saw him work and provide during this past year. then as we think of his rich provision for us, and then as we read a passage that challenges us to walk in perfect love one with another, we're quickly reminded of our sin, of areas where we have failed to obey this command to love one another. And so let's take a moment to confess our sins to the Lord. Father, it is true that we are a needy people this morning because we have not loved you as we should with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've also not loved one another as we've loved ourselves. 
does not serve in a way that's honoring to you and we've held back from trusting you and we've been more worried about the fear of man than the fear of God. And so, Father, we confess our sins this morning. We say, oh, God, have mercy. We repent. We turn. We want to turn to you and ask you to fill us afresh with your spirit. And we thank you that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, each day is a gift from you and each year, of course. And so at the beginning of 2022, we confess that our lives are in your hands. And that every day and every minute, every moment is a gift from you. And so we pray that during this year, we would experience the richness and fellowship with you that can only come as we trust you. And as we use each day for your glory, for your purposes, for your people, for your kingdom. So we commit ourselves to you as imperfect as we are. And we claim the perfection of Christ over us. We thank you that in Christ, we stand in a position of favor before you. But now you empower us to go out and serve you. Father, there will be many that will be serving in this church during this year on committees and boards and on different ministry opportunities. And I pray that each one would have a true servant heart, a spirit of humility and a desire to work for the common good, for the blessing of the community. And Father, you would guard all of us, starting with me and everyone in this room and in this community, that we would flee from selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility would consider others greater than ourselves and would serve in that attitude all throughout this year. Father, we desire to see growth in each of the ministries that you have blessed us with, whether it is the women's ministry or the king's men or children's ministries, the missions committee, there are so many. Father, we need your hand of favor and blessing and direction on each one. And so we ask that 2022 would be a year of great blessing for your honor and for our good. And Father, as we live, knowing that first and foremost we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we also live as citizens of a very real earthly kingdom here below. And so we pray for those in authority over us. From the White House to the governor's mansion, to the Supreme Court, to those at the local assembly. Father, if you have raised up men and women to be in those positions, you will hold them accountable. But may we be mindful to pray for them, that they be led to make good and helpful and positive decisions that promote righteousness and justice, because that is what they have been called to. And so, Father, we as your people stand in the gap against immorality, against infidelity, against uh, culture of death that does not value human life. We pray that you would cause us this year to stand for what is good and what is holy and what is right, but with respect before our government authorities. Father, already this year we have been uh, affected by illness as we have family members or friends home because of different illnesses, and we thank you that we can reach out to them through the online service. And we pray that you would be a a God of all comfort to those families that are home today because they're ill or unable to attend or they have loved ones that are hospitalized. And we thank you that we can trust you 
and trust them into your care. Father, thank you for how you have blessed this church throughout 2021, and we commit 2022 into your hands and pray that every offering would be used in a way that's glorifying to you and good for your people. And we pray that you give wisdom to those that will manage and steward the resources that you've given, that it all be done in a way that is honoring to you. And we pray in a few moments as we get ready to hear the word of God, that you would open our hearts up to the word and open the word up to our hearts that we would begin 2022 in a way that's honoring to you. And now, Father, as we prepare to go to the Lord's table, would you prepare us so that you would be pleased and honored as we break bread together and remember what Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name. On the Lord's Day a number of years ago, a group of missionaries in New Guinea were gathered together to observe the Lord's Supper. And after one man sat down, a missionary noticed that he began to tremble for a few moments and then suddenly was calmed again. And after he had calmed down, the missionary whispered into his ear, well, what is it that was troubling you? He said, well... A man just came in to join us who is the one that killed my father and ate his body. But now he is coming to remember the Lord with us. And I remember that because he looks to the same Lord as I do, I can break bread with him because he's washed in the same precious blood as I was. And so together they took communion, remindful of the marvelous thing that God is doing in uniting a people around the table of the Lord. And the missionary asked the question, does the world know anything of this? Well, I doubt it's the case this morning that we are in the presence of a former cannibal. But I know this morning that we are in the presence of those that were formerly liars, cheaters, thieves, adulterers, slanderers. And yet here we are, gathered around the table to share a common meal because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. Indeed, the gospel is a wonderful thing, and it is good for us to focus on how wonderful the gospel is as we begin this new year. As Reverend John Stott said, the symbol of the religion of Jesus is the cross, not the scales of righteous indignation. For those who are in Christ, the perfect life and the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And puts us in a position of peace before God. And all of the glory goes to him. At the cross, and indeed around this table, there is no room for boasting or comparing or judging or condemning. There is only room to focus on the one who loved us to such an extent that he would give his life for us. And he's the one who invites us, who feeds us, and should be the sole object of our affection this morning. And so it is good for us to be here this morning to remember that this is about Jesus and not about us. It is about what he did for us and not what we think we might do for him. And that this is a family event, a community event, not an individual gathering. We come to confess that Jesus is Lord and that we are his people. And so let's be nice. Let's eat and drink together. 
Let's worship the Lord. And so if this morning you are trusting in Christ for your eternal salvation without any reservation whatsoever, please participate with us. But if there's doubt in your mind that indeed Christ is your Savior, please pass this morning and observe what is happening and give reflection to its meaning. Get right with God in Christ. Take 2022 as a time to repent and run to the cross. In addition, as we eat and drink together and as we sing because we're the family of God, we confess that we are one in Christ. So if there's a fracture in any relationship that you have with a brother or sister in Christ, take the time to be reconciled with them first and then come and join us at another time. The servers will now come forward and they will pass out the cups that are pre-filled with both the juice that we will drink and the wafers that we will eat. And as they distribute, we will sing together because we are a family addressing our father, giving thanks for his son around his table. Perhaps you'll take that time as we are singing to carefully remove the first seal and be ready as we get ready to take the wafers this morning. We gain our instructions this morning from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it, and he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let my brother Jerry to pray for the distribution of the elements this morning. Oh, it looks like we got a dead battery, so just shout. a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood 
comes flowing down at the cross at the cross i surrender my life i'm in all of you i'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin washed white i owe all to you i owe all to you There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross i surrender my life i'm in all of you i'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin washed white i owe all to you i owe all to you My hope is found here on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here, arms open wide. Here, you saved my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow at the cross. At the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you. I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take and eat, this is my body. Let us eat in gratitude of our gracious Savior. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. 
Let us drink in joyful obedience to our Lord. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And as we eat and drink and proclaim his death until he comes, we know one day we will be gathered around the heavenly table for the heavenly feast. And so let us vow in light of that day to live this day for his glory. At this time, the children can be dismissed to Children's Church. I invite you to stand for our next song. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names. Blessed Redeemer. Emmanuel. The rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven. Jesus Messiah. Lord of all, his body the bread, his blood the wine, broken and poured out, all for love, the whole earth trembled, and the veil was torn, love so amazing. Love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, all our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, all the glory. the world, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven, 
Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. It, it was not my intention to be a one-man show this morning, but as the saying goes, when man plans, God laughs. Friday night, I was in a conversation with Pastor Brian, who was supposed to preach this morning, and illness has gone through his family, and so we judged it best that he stay home and take care of one another. So, Brian, I know you're watching this morning. And uh, I will get you another spot. But thank you for being with us this morning. For all of you joining us at home as well. And thank you for being flexible. We had to quickly get together another sermon, sermon outline, insert it this morning. And it's all good. It's just a reminder that uh, we hold things with an open hand. And God can move things as he wishes. It's a reminder if you're interested in, in following the same plan that I am this year. I follow the chronological reading method where it allows me to read through the entire scriptures in the course of a year in a chronological manner so that I can line up the kings and the prophets and all the different events as they begin from creation to the new creation. Uh, there's copies available out in the foyer. And if you don't want to have a hard copy, you can take one in any case and go to the, the website that's there in the bottom and you can download an app that you can put on your phone. And it'll actually help you keep track throughout the year of the Bible reading schedule. But whatever schedule you come up with, Get one, and be sure that you are daily in the Word of God throughout 2022. Uh, seminary professor I had one time said, if I do nothing else today except spend time with God, it's been a good day because I've touched eternity. We remember that during 2022, that the most important thing you can do each day is to spend some time with God. Well, how would you begin your gospel presentation you know, it's typical today to begin an evangelistic presentation with some type of positive word or a statement that grabs the interest of the audience. Often we think we need to appeal to some need or interest on the part of the hearer so that they'll pay attention to what we have to say. Yet in our text this morning, we will see that Paul has a very different way of explaining his explanation or his presentation of the gospel, though still strongly presenting it with good news. Now, because of the late change, there will be nothing up on the PowerPoint, so I encourage you to have your open copy of God's Word in front of you so you can follow along as we look through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. There are Bibles available in the rows, and the deacons and, and, and ushers will be glad to distribute Bibles if you need one. But we will be going through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10 this morning. Now, if we had been in a study of Ephesians, we would have spent chapter 1 talking about all of the blessings that we have in Christ, that, that God is just pouring out blessing upon blessing upon us because we are in Christ. That includes our own election and predestination, forgiveness of sins, that we are adopted as His children, that we are sealed with God the Holy Spirit. In fact, for three chapters, Paul would give great teachings on what is true of us in Christ. 
for three chapters, just giving great riches, one after the other, of what is true of us in Christ. But then he just doesn't leave us there because Paul's a good teacher. He knows that if you want to get someone to change, you have to touch them head, heart, and hands. And so after he has given them lots of information and stirring their hearts, chapters 4, 5, and 6 will be application. Because these things are true in chapters 1, 2, and 3, this is what we are to do in chapters 4, 5, and 6. So in a sense, we're just kind of jumping into the middle of the stream of what Paul would have been writing to this church so long ago. But that's okay. What will he have to say to us as we study the first part of Ephesians chapter 2 this morning? And if you're able, I invite you to stand once again as we just read God's word and get ready for what he has to say. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. And the rich and beautiful word of God says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no man or no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, after the reading of your word, we ask now for you to prepare our hearts and minds to see and perceive and hear and to listen and be transformed as we encounter you through your eternal and holy word. Be our teacher this morning as we lean upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, though we will not have a PowerPoint going behind me, I will try to keep you up to speed with what you are to fill in in your sermon outline. If I happen to miss one, I'm sure one of you will let me know, and we'll figure out a way to get your blanks all filled in before you leave this morning. Our first point this morning is hopeless and helpless, dead in sin. Hopeless and helpless, dead in sin. And with your copy of God's Word open in front of you, we're going to continue to walk through the passage. It begins by saying, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Why is it that Paul would want the church in Ephesus, and indeed all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be grateful for the things that he has done for them in Christ? Why does Paul pray that we would understand these things as he does at the end of chapter 1? He prays that our hearts would be enlightened, that we would have understanding of the things of God. Why does he pray that way? Because in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were spiritually dead. As it says in chapter 2, verse 12, We were without hope and without God in this world. 
Now, there is a discussion that goes on at times that what does it mean to be spiritually dead? And I'm going to present two main views here, and I'm going to use some popular media memes, if you will, to give an idea of what these two views are. The first one is from a scene from the movie The Princess Bride. And in this movie, Inigo Montoya seeks to revenge the murder of his father with the help of Wesley, a farm boy, who's now a pirate. And he seeks to save his love, Buttercup, from marrying the evil king. But Wesley is captured, tortured, and killed, or so it seems. And so his friends take him to a, a wizard by the name of Miracle Max in the hope that he can perform a miracle. Miracle Max examines Wesley, and his friends say to him, he's dead. Wow, look who knows so much. It just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between being mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. In a similar way, there is this view that the unbeliever is dead in sin, but that he's still given the ability to freely decide for or against God. That he has this autonomous free will that somehow has not been affected by the fall into sin. He is dead, but not so dead that he cannot make any positive response to God at all. He is still, in a sense, slightly alive. And so this view might say that man is not spiritually dead in his sins, but in fact is spiritually sick. A second view is represented by a commercial for a medical emergency alert system that the elderly or the homebound would use that became famous over 20 years ago on American television. It's the picture of a poor elderly woman who is on the ground crying out, I've fallen and I can't get up. Now, while the first view is perhaps funnier from a human perspective and from a perspective of human entertainment, it is really the second one that is closer to what Paul means in Ephesians 2 when he says we were dead in our transgressions and sins. In our spiritual deadness, this is in your outline, we had total inability. Total inability. That is to say, we were unable to please God. There was nothing in our sinful nature that was able to please God in any words or any actions in any way. We had no way to pick ourselves up from our fallenness into sin, and the depths into which we had fallen under the guilt and corruption of sin. Moreover, according to the Apostle Paul, we didn't even desire God in our daily behavior. Because as he would write the church in Romans chapter 3, he would say, there are none that seek God. There is no one that is good. No, all have turned away. It's a universal condemnation of us all. We had no capacity to respond positively to God. All we could do and all we wanted to do was reject him. That was our response to God at every turn in our natural state. We rejected God. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, verses 2 and 3. Whenever the New Testament uses language like walking or living 
It's talking about a manner of living, how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis, on a regular basis. And what was our lifestyle before? Well, it was the same as all of those in the church of Ephesus. It was one of sin. We were dead in our sin because we walked in the manner of our three main enemies, the world, the devil, and the flesh. The text clearly tells us that we followed the way in the way of this world. We followed in the way of this world. We walked in the way the world said to walk. We did what the world said was right. We listened to the values of the world. We made decisions like the world. And the words of John, we love the world more than we love God. The text goes on and tells us that we also followed in the ways of the prince of the power of the air. That's a name for the devil. So we followed in the way of the devil. In Ephesians, there's a lot of talk about spiritual warfare. If we were to take time to go to the end of chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, we would find that Jesus, by the power of God, was more powerful than all of these different spiritual forces that are named. If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, about verse 15, towards the end. But here's the important thing for us. All of those spiritual forces in Ephesians chapter 1, Christ has defeated. And those are the same forces that we fight against in Ephesians 6. But in the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and in our position in Christ, we defeat them. Not because of us, but because the victory is Christ. The, the battle, the spiritual battle is real. But so is the victory that we have in Christ. But we need to remind ourselves that those that are not in Jesus Christ are influenced by the ways of the world. They are also influenced by a real, personal, and deadly devil. And by real, personal, and deadly spiritual forces that work with him. Their aim is to destroy and ruin the lives of people. Their aim is to tear down all that Christ is building up. You have a target on your back because you belong to Jesus Christ. The enemy would love nothing better than for you to waste and squander 2022. But the hope and the joy is that because we're in Christ, we walk in victory. But the main way we see the manifestation of the devil and his power today is through disobedience, through rebellion against God and indeed against all spiritual authority. The world naturally rebels against that which is holy and righteous. People want to engage in things that are pleasurable to them, that please them. It seems natural to them. And before we came to Christ, they were natural to us as well. We followed in the way of this world, we followed in the way of the devil. We also followed, as we follow our text, in the ways of the flesh. As Paul writes, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. That means that we were controlled by passions and desires that were not from God. Pleasure, pride, satisfaction, sensuality, different ways to satisfy our appetites. And if we're honest, we all know too well the battle against those very things in our own souls and hearts and minds today. People 
destroy their lives in the pursuit of pleasures of the flesh, in the pursuit of power, in the pursuit of possessions. And that's the way we were. And the battle still continues, of course, in this ongoing sanctification, but in our position, we are victorious in Christ. But we were on that same path to destruction. Therefore, Paul has to remind. Remember, he's writing to a group of believers. He is writing to those who have been born again, purchased by Christ, sealed with the Spirit of God, have the Word of God, have been set apart. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he writes to them and says, this is the way you lived, without exception, all of you. And says, and this would have been your just deserts. The end of verse 3. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Far from each person being born basically good, basically wanting to do the right thing, just affected by a sinful culture, Paul crushes that humanistic argument and says that we were born in sin. We were born sinners. We were by our very nature objects of God's wrath. And sin is ultimately irrational at every turn in every situation. Why? If, if we understand that God is holy and he's given us his word, why would we ever think of doing something against his word? Sin is irrational because it is against the holy one of God. But do you ever wonder why you do certain things that you shouldn't? You say things that you shouldn't say. You desire things that you shouldn't desire. You don't say things that you know you should say. Why? It's because from the get-go, we are sinners by nature. We sin because we're sinners by our nature. Now, it's also true that we are sinners by choice. And every one of us in the same position as Adam would have made the same decision, would have plunged humankind into the same fall. No exceptions. No one is inherently good. I don't care what Oprah says. No one is inherently good. All of us are sinful in rebellion against God. Sometimes we try to justify a sinful lifestyle, a sinful behavior, a, sin a sinful personality style by saying, well, you know, I was just born this way. That's hardly a justification when God says that we are born sinners by nature and that he has sent his son to overcome sin. And he has given us his spirit to transform us, to become more like Christ. Now, by saying that sinners are, are, that we are all sinners by nature, I am not saying that we are as evil as we possibly could be. No, there is the common grace of God, the restraining force of the Holy Spirit. There is his work at work, at, at work in the world where there are people and there is knowledge and there is medical personnel and there are police and there's the fear of being caught and all of these things have a restraining effect on evil. It's part of God's common grace. We are not as bad as we could be. But we are as bad off as we could be without hope and without God in this world. We are utterly and completely helpless to change our situation. We're sinners before God and we're under his wrath justly and God will judge sin justly and perfectly 
And if we remain in our natural states, we will be judged by God and condemned. And we should feel the weight of that. But as scriptures say, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In 2022, we need to prevent and provoke and stir up an awareness of the holiness of God. Because until we understand the holiness of God, we don't truly understand the love of God. How God and his holiness could still send his son. So people ask me if I believe in the doctrine of election, and I say yes. First of all, the Bible clearly teaches it, and secondly, I have no hope without it. Because if I'm dead in my sins and I'm incapable of doing anything, unless God does something, I'm lost. But he started out the book by saying we are blessed in Christ. Right? But in order for us to understand the good news, we need to understand the bad news. And so we go on to what is the good news, mercy manifested, made alive in Christ. Mercy manifested, made alive in Christ. In our second point, beginning in verse 4, we come to some of the sweetest words in the English language. But God. We've made a mess of our things, but God. We were fleeing from God in a rebellion, but God. We didn't even desire good and godly things, but God. We deserve punishment in hell. Let's read the next couple of verses. But God being rich in mercy. You can't ever talk about the doctrine of election without talking about the mercy of God. Because it's there every time. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verses 4 and 5. The good news is that God did something to help sinners. And he is still doing something. Mercy is still available. Mercy is defined as getting what we do not deserve. Actually, mercy is not getting what we deserve. Sorry, let me say that again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What did we deserve? Verse 3, the wrath of God. What have we received? Mercy. We deserved hell. But in mercy, he offered us heaven. And this mercy was animated by the love of God. It was revealed in love. Mercy was revealed when we were dead in our sins. And what could a dead man do? Nothing but be made alive in Christ. As Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he said, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These verses here in Ephesians 2 show human inability and divine mercy. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. It says clearly there, even when we were dead in our trespasses, verse 5, made us alive together with Christ. It's his work. It's what we call the, the, the doctrine of regeneration. Regeneration. Regeneration, according to one theologian, is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. We were dead. What did we need? New spiritual life. What did God give? New spiritual life. 
Who did he give it in? In Christ. Why did he do it? Because of his mercy. It's all his initiative all along the way. Another term for regeneration is being born again. But an even better expression is being born from above. Anothen. That's what's used in John chapter 3. When, jo- when Jesus talks to Nicodemus, you must be anothen. You must be born from above. It's something that God does. It's not something that we can do. There wasn't anything that I could do to bring about my physical birth. And there wasn't anything I could do to bring about my spiritual birth either. Because it's a work of God. It is anothen. It is from above. God made us alive in Christ. Dead people do not resuscitate themselves. Lazarus lay dead in the tomb for four days. Until Jesus cried out and said, arise and come out. In a similar way, I was dead in the tomb of my own sin and rebellion. And there was nothing I could do to come out. Until I heard the words of God call out to me, come alive, rise to life. And he made me alive in Christ. And all the glory goes to him. The hymn writer Charles Wesley captures well this idea of regeneration in his hymn, And Can It Be, where he said, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. Quickening means to bring to life. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's my testimony in Christ. That's your testimony as well. You were dead until you heard the voice of God say, rise and come to life. Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice and they come to me and I know them by name and they will come. That's the hope of the gospel. God gets his man. He doesn't fail. We were dead. God made us alive. And this was by grace, as it says in verse 5. Completely by grace. Not at all a work of the human flesh. And when God made us alive, we continue on in verse 6. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We have been raised spiritually with Christ. We're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. This is that doctrine of the union with Christ, that we are hidden in Christ. We're in union with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ. He is our life. And without him, we have nothing. But now if we're in Christ, we're with position with him at the right hand of the Father, that place of privilege, that place of favor. And as God looks at us, he sees us through the loving prism of his son. And he dotes on us as his children with his heavenly favor as our heavenly father. And why? What is the purpose of this spiritual resurrection for each one of us? Was it so that we could go off and live our best life now? Was it so we could go off and just have this great life chasing after possessions and plants and programs and everything else and ignore God? No. A much, much higher purpose is written in our text to show how great God is in mercy and in grace. Our salvation is entirely a divine work. 
That is to show how kind and merciful and great God is towards sinners who deserve nothing but his wrath. And so others will look and say, well, wow, why is that person saved? Or why do those people know Christ? Well, it's to show how kind and good God is towards sinners because they don't get what they deserve. Why were you set free from your sinful life? Why were you brought to spiritual life? Why are you now seated with Christ in the heavenlies in the place where holiness dwells? It's so that your life might reflect and shine forth the mercy and grace of Christ. So that people might look at you and say, what an awesome God. Do we even know what we sing when we sing the song that has become almost like our second national anthem? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Most of the time we pass over that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a not so terrible guy like me who kind of deserved a little kindness from God. We don't say that, but that's what we think. The Bible says the exact opposite. That saved a wretch. Like until you understand you're a wretch, you don't understand the grace of God and how wonderful salvation truly is. Many years ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a church in Pennsylvania. It was one of the tours that we'd have to make every three, four years when we were missionaries. We'd go visit our churches and present our ministry and talk about what is going on. And I had the privilege of speaking in this church. And afterwards, I talked to the pastor. And we shared about the wonders of grace. And his response was right on. He said, when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to say to me, you lucky sinner, I sure got you out of that mess, didn't I? And I thought, yeah, that's what we're all going to hear. He got us out of that mess. And we'll praise his name forever. And a billion, billion, billion years from now, I will still be full of awe that I'm in the presence of a holy God. Because I never deserved it. But I received mercy. I was dead. I was made alive in Christ to show the kindness of who he really is. Hopeless and helpless, dead in sin. Mercy manifested, made alive in Christ. Thirdly, deeds displayed. Saved by grace for works. Saved by grace for works. Paul reaches the logical conclusion in his teaching in this chapter as we get to these well-known verses, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no man may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Kindness and mercy of God manifested toward us by grace. Well, if mercy is not getting what we deserve, grace is getting what we do not deserve. Grace is making us alive in Christ. Grace is God putting his favor upon us for eternal life and not condemning us to hell. Grace is loving us even when we were yet sinners. Grace is saving us through Jesus Christ. And how we come to understand that is when God opens our eyes to see the ugliness of our sin, to see the beauty of the cross, 
and the wonder of his grace and our spiritual poverty. And we cry out and say, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus came to save sinners. I am one. Oh, have mercy. They cry out. That's how it's, we experience it. But it's only because it's been by him empowering us and giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. And we receive and apply and experience the blessings of salvation through faith. Now, let's make things clear again. Paul says, this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. Paul clearly tells the church in Rome that in the flesh, man cannot please God. That means in his sinful nature, he cannot please God. That means the desire to repent can't come from the flesh because that would be a pleasing act to God. That means crying out in faith cannot come from the flesh because that would please God. It must be a gift of God. And that's wrapped up in this word, this. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What is this referring to? Some say, well, it only applies to other things but not to faith. As if somehow we can open up our own hearts in faith and we can believe But the fact remains that this, in the Greek language, is in what's called the neuter tense. There's masculine, feminine, neuter. Neuter oftentimes can incorporate a whole plurality of things. And so the this in this verse refers to all that he has said in chapter 2. The whole process. The this refers to the whole process of salvation. Every aspect of it. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. He's the one who makes dead people alive because dead people don't exercise faith. When God makes sinners alive, then they exercise faith gladly, joyfully, willingly, longingly, and they flee to the cross. As one commentator says, the context demands that this, the word this, be understood of salvation by grace as a whole, including the faith through which it is received. This salvation, this grace, Paul says, is not a result of work so that no one can boast. There's no room for boasting when it is all God's initiative. That's why Paul says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Oh, I hope it'll be your goal throughout 2022. So whatever blessing you receive, whatever grace has been shown to you, whatever prayers have been answered, whatever great things God does through you, your first inclination will be to boast in the Lord. I say it is so wonderful that God has worked in my life in this way. The late Harry Ironside was a preacher in the Chicago area about 100 years ago who talks about a prayer meeting that was held where a man gave a stirring testimony of God's grace in his life. And afterwards, someone came up to him and said, my brother, that was a fine testimony, but you talked a lot about God. You didn't mention your own part in salvation. The man thought for a moment, and he said, you're right. I did leave that part out. My part was to run away from God as fast as I could, and God's part was to run after me till he caught me. When you think about it, the only thing we bring to our salvation is our sin and rebellion that makes salvation necessary. Everything else comes from God. It is all of God from beginning to end so that we would be humble before him and boast only in the Lord so that our lives would manifest his grace and his mercy. 
the same grace that saves us, same grace that displays his kindness and mercy. Now that same grace in verse 10 empowers us to display the gospel to a watching world. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants to create on us a masterpiece of which he is working and showing and displaying his grace. He's creating a new humanity, a redeemed sinners, Jew and Gentile, from every walk of life, from every tribe and nation and language and family, as we saw last week, with the goal that they would display his grace in good works. So we are not saved by our works, but we are saved to perform works. We are saved by the work of Christ that is our salvation. But once we are saved, we are empowered to perform works that show that God has been at work in our lives. And moreover, we're told in verse 10, these are things that God has prepared, has commanded, has empowered us to do. There's a strong ethical strand here. Because look at the comparison in this, in this passage. Verses 1, 2, and 3 shows how we once lived when we were following the world, the devil, and the flesh. Verse 10 shows us how we are to live now, now that we're empowered by the Spirit of God and dwelt with truth, born again by His power. We display His work because we are His workmanship. And I think John Calvin captures it well when he says, Grace alone saves, but the grace that saves is never alone. The grace that saves always produces fruit. It produces righteousness, holiness, obedience, desire for the Word of God, desire to pray. And we see that here. It's not our own doing. But once we have received what Christ has done for us, now we do in His power and for His glory. And so this morning... We've seen hopeless and helpless, dead in sin, that we were incapable, total inability to please God, fallen in sin, worthy of His just wrath. But God showed His mercy and made us alive in Christ, raising us from dead, the de dead to life and showing us what His grace looks like so that we might display his grace in the works that we perform in his name. As you sit here this morning, January 2nd, 2022, with Lord willing, a year before us of potential service and worship of our God, how will you respond to God's word this morning? Perhaps you've been trusting in your own work, thinking I I, I hope I do enough. I hope I'm good enough. I have family members that tell me that. Oh, I'm just doing the best I can. I hope I'm doing good enough. Their good enough will never be good enough for a holy God. And that's the gospel too. And it's the same for you. I implore you, if there's even a little island of self-righteousness in your soul, you will cry out for mercy this morning and say, only because of the mercy of Christ can I be saved until to him I turn. Maybe you've been in Christ for a while, but you've forgotten the depths to which he went to save you. And so your life does not reflect one who has been a chosen, set-apart child of God. 
You need to be reminded of the preciousness of grace this morning and not allow your spirit to be dulled and confess your sins and repent and turn. And say, if you did all this for me, you have a right to command me to live for you. The scriptures say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I would say, let those who confess Christ live in a way consistent with that confession. Or perhaps you know Christ, he saved you, you are doing some things, but you've lost some of your zeal, some of your joy in the Lord. This would be a good time just to ask the Lord to refresh your commitment to walking in grace, to turn away from those things that you've been playing with and hanging on to, and to ask him to empower, empower you afresh so that 2022 in your life truly is reflected by we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There will be a manner of living for us. But wherever you're at this morning, you're not yet there, right? We're called to be perfect and we continue to grow. And there's areas to grow. There's more obedience to give. There's more power to give. There's more prayers to offer up. There's more people to preach the gospel to. But let it be empowered by grace and joy in the Lord. And so let's this morning bow our heads now and commit ourselves to the Lord for 2022 for his glory. Father, in our flesh, we want to fight against you. But you have given us a word through which we need to humble ourselves and say, yes, Lord, your word is true. Father, if we have breath in our lungs, if we have blood in our veins, if we have impulses in our mind, it is all because you are God, the giver of life. And as you have given us life, and if we're in Christ, you have given us new life. May we live that life in accordance with your word for your glory, for your kingdom purposes. That we might display the mercy and grace and kindness of God to a watching world. Father, we need to continually hear the gospel preached to us. And we need to continually apply the gospel in our lives. And as we gathered around the table this morning, we confess that Jesus is Lord. And would you empower us to do that until he comes again? And as we look forward to that day, may we be reminded that we walk by grace and that we are to live in obedience with good works as you empower us. May 2022 be your year, Lord to glorify your name through us more and more and more. And our great prayer is that a year from now, if you should will it, that we will gather and give thanks for all that you have done in our lives over the year that has just ended. To you be the glory, Father, today and every day in this year as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, if you could stand with me as we sing our closing song. There is a name I 
I love to hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, like sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sweetest perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because he first loved me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Well, happy new year, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you in the house of the Lord. If you have a chance to stay around for a while, I'll start my class in a little bit on the book of Philemon. But for all of us, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Let us go in peace. Uh -huh.